In 2019, the U.S. Women's National Team filed a lawsuit claiming there was discrimination and they are being paid less than the U.S. Men's National Team. Then they claim they won and finally achieved equal pay. Is all this true? Was the women's team really being paid less? Or were they being paid more than the men's team for the years they see? This is a woman podcast, and today we are going to be talking about the U.S. Women's National Team. With the U.S. Women's World Cup going on and the U.S. Women's National Team just getting out, there's a lot of talk going on about them, and I want to talk to you all about their equal pay lawsuit. Was the U.S. Women's National Team fighting for equal pay? Was that a win for women? Or was that one of the biggest lies and scandals we've ever seen? There is tons of truth, facts, stats, numbers to this whole situation. And a lot of things I've seen in the news on social media are people talking just about daily about the situation. Um, I don't know if people either choose to lie or they're choosing to not be aware of the truth. So today I want to walk you guys through this lawsuit. And I want to say before we dive into all the information, I fully believe that men and women should be paid equally. I don't think there should be any discrimination and women should be paid less for being a female. Women and men should be paid equally. Though, The U.S. Women's National Team claim that they are being discriminated and paying less due to their gender is just not true. So back in March of 2019, the members of the U.S. Women's National Soccer Team filed their gender discrimination lawsuit. They they began making complaints and remarks and comments back in 2016, but 2019 is when they officially filed the gender discrimination lawsuit against U.S. Soccer. The players accused the U.S. Soccer Federation of paying lower salaries to women and subjecting them to more dangerous playing conditions than their male counterparts. And they asked for nearly $67 million in back pay and compensation from 2015 to 2019. So then in May of 2020, the U.S. District Court judge in California rejected the notion that the U.S. women's players have been underpaid relative to the men. He dismissed the unequal pay portion of the lawsuit and found that the U.S. women's national team was actually paid more in total and more per per game than the U.S. men's national team during those contested years. So from 2015 to 2019 is what they're suing about. He also noted that they were offered a similar pay-for-play agreement, but they rejected that offer. So what's important to note is that the men and women had agreed to two separate collective bargaining agreements, so CBAs. So if you hear me say CBA um, from here on out, that's what I'm talking about. If you hear me say USSF, that's the U.S. Soccer Federation. So the U.S. women's team, what they were being paid is actually what they had agreed to in their collective bargaining agreement. And what the men was being paid, same thing. That is what they agreed to in their collective bargaining agreement. So it's important to note that the men and women were being paid two separate structures, right? So the men operated under a pay 
for play agreement. So the men had a high risk, high reward agreement. They had no benefits, no guaranteed salary, and they only got paid if they played. The women wanted a guaranteed salary. So they agreed to a guaranteed salary of $100,000 and multi-million dollar benefits package, right? And so the women opted, they wanted more security. Their benefits, they had um, annual salaries, maternity and childcare benefits, severance pay for when they're no longer on the team. And the women agreed to that salary model where the men agreed for the pay to play. So they had higher bonuses, but they had no set salary. And so if they didn't play, they weren't paid. So think about when COVID hit. U.S. Soccer Federation canceled all their games when COVID hit. So the men made zero dollars while the women continued to make money because they chose to have guaranteed money and guaranteed salary in their CBA. And so that's important to note, they had agreed to two different CBAs. So when the judge was ruling on this, first of all, you had to take into account that they had agreed to two different structures of payment. Second of all, he was actually able to rule that the women's national team was actually paid more from 2015 to 2019. So in 2015 to 2019, the US women's national team players made more money than the US men's national team both overall and on per game basis. So the US Women's National Team in those four years paid, played 111 total games and made $24.5 million overall, averaging $220,747 per game for the team. The US Men's National Team played 87 games total and made $18.5 million overall, averaging $212,600 $212,639,000 per game. So the U.S. Women's National Team did play more games due to just the difference in their calendar and competitions than the men's team, but they also earned more money per game than the men's team did. And so that's important to take in that the judge literally ruled that the U.S. Women's National Team made more money than the men's team did. Where the women were coming down was, oh, but in the World Cup, the men are getting paid more and all that. But it's important to notice that the World Cup, the money awarded in the World Cup, is dictated entirely by the um, FIFA. So FIFA alone controls the funds and pays them to the national soccer federations around the world. So U.S. soccer is then legally obligated to distribute the funds based on the contracts with the men's and women's team. So when the U.S. women's team are saying, well, the men are making more money in the World Cup, as they're suing the U.S. Soccer Federation, the U.S. Soccer Federation can't control that. It's up to FIFA and FIFA alone controlling the funds that are paid out. And so based off of that information, again, the judge completely rejected the notion. And so you might be thinking, what do you mean the judge rejected the notion? Everyone's saying that the women won. They won their case. They won their lawsuit. Well, what happened was there was a settlement made. So in February of 2022, the national team players reached a $24 million settlement with U.S. soccer. So as part of their agreement, the settlement was contingent upon making new CBAs between the U.S. soccer and U.S. women's national team. So all that needed to be done was there needed to be a new CBA made. It. So a, a couple important points to notice. Um, to note, 
the men's team and women's team had two different agreements onto how they were going to be paid and what they were going to be paid. Again, men, high risk, high reward. They chose that if they don't pay, play, they don't get paid. Women wanted the guaranteed salary, again, which benefited during the COVID year because women were paid even for not playing. Men were not paid anything. So back in May of 2016, when the women's team first started kind of complaining, bringing up the whole discriminatory situation, the U.S. Soccer Federation offered to pay them a similar pay-to-play contract that the men had. And the women's team turned it down because they wanted that guaranteed salary. So they were offered a very similar contract. They turned it down. So then again, three years later, the lawsuit opened. The judge ruled that the U.S. women's team was actually getting paid more and making more than the men's team was. And um, we have a quick video of Julie Foudy, who played for the U.S. women's national team. She retired in 2004, but she kind of walks through just in like two minutes of the situation. So if you're watching on YouTube, you'll be able to see the video. If not, go ahead and just listen out to me and and this is the compensation piece which he completely denied um and said um that the reasons for that were one the women actually in this relevant period which they're looking at which is essentially the last five years said one the women made more on a gross standpoint and on a per game basis and two he said that their pay structure is very different and and this has always been something that's hard to explain because when we came in as players on the women's side, this goes back to my days of playing, we wanted a more guaranteed type of contract. We wanted the security of injury protection because we didn't have big, large contracts with our professional clubs like the mm -hmm. men do, do and did. And so we needed that security. And so we had injury protection, maternity protection, uh, severance pay. And so there were a lot of other assurances we had in there. And it's a very different setup for the women. The judge obviously talked a lot about this um, in, in his judgment, in his opinion, his 32-page opinion about that. So I think it was the fact that the women over the last five years made more money than the men, mm -hmm. and two, that the pay structure was very different. So right there, Julie Foudy, former U.S. Women's National Team player, she discusses that there was two different structures. So basically what I've been saying this whole time, but she also discusses that the players – signed that CBA, they agreed on that collective bargaining agreement. And again, it's just important to note that they were suing for the years 2015 to 2019, even though in 2016, they were offered a very similar pay to play and they turned it down because they want that guaranteed salary. So then you might think, okay, well, if the judge said that they were being paid the same, or they were being paid even more than the men's team from 2015 to 2019, then how come they settled on this lawsuit? Didn't they have, wasn't the U.S. Soccer Federation pretty much going to win this lawsuit? Well, in February of 2022, the national team, like I mentioned earlier, reached a $24 million settlement with the U.S. Soccer. And that's not necessarily a huge win because they asked originally for $67 million in their lawsuit. But the whole point of the settlement was the settlement presents a massive step by the Federation to mend its relationship with the players. Because of the position of the litigation and the initial decision in favor of the Federation, U.S. soccer was basically not obligated to settle the lawsuit at all. And when they chose to do that, it was more of a move to repair relationships with the players and sponsors and fans. 
So when the lawsuit finished up in 2022, word spread like wildfire. The women's team won their case. The women's team is now going to be officially getting equal pay, all these things. They didn't really win their case because it was just a settlement that they both agreed to. They agreed to just go over and write a new CBA. And the judge ruled that they were being paid more than the men. So let's now talk about they officially have gone through and created their new CBA, which um, for the first time ever applied during the Men's World Cup last year and the Women's World Cup this year. So on the U.S. Soccer Federation website, you can actually find their CBA fact sheet where they break it all down. And their overview of it states, the U.S. Soccer Federation and the United States Women's National Team Players Association and the United States National Soccer Team Players Association, so women's and men's, have agreed to a new collective bargaining agreement through 2028 that set the global standard moving forward in international soccer. So they go through and break down how there's now going to be an equalization of prize money. So again, this started with the 2022 Men's World Cup and the 2023 Women's World Cup. So in 2022, for the men making it to the round of 16, they got out on the round of 16, they made $13 million. Thus, this was split equally, 6.5 million and 6.5 million to the men's and the women's. The Women's World Cup this year, they got out in the round of 16, making $2 million. So again, you do see the disparity of the men's make more than the women's to get out on the same stage. But again, this doesn't have to do with the U.S. Soccer Federation, who the U.S. Women's National Team was suing. This has to completely do with FIFA. FIFA controls it. FIFA controls the amount of money that is split out. But to kind of fall in line with the, and if you're listening and not watching my air quotes, equal pay, they're splitting prize money equally. So each team got $6.5 million from the Men's World Cup. Each team got $1 million for the Women's World Cup. So by the end of it, they were, they're each getting $7.5 million from the World Cup prize money. And obviously, like some of that percentage goes to the U.S. Soccer Federation. But they break down the CBA, and so you're looking at it, and if you look at it online on their website, you're thinking, oh, wow, yeah, they're sharing the ticket sales, they're getting the same amount for appearances, wins, losses, all these different things. But then when you get to the very bottom of it, it's four pages long, the fact sheet, you see it's not even an equal pay CBA. Because at the bottom it says additional benefits for both men's national team and women's national team. So in this new CBA, they both, um, men and women, are provided a 401k plan as well as childcare benefits. But only the women's national team receives parental leave, insurance benefits, and short-term disability pay. So this CBA is still not equal pay because the women are being paid more. And again, I am all for equal pay. Women should not be being paid less, should not be discriminated um, towards because their gender. I do think um, people should get parental leave, insurance benefits, short-term disability, all these different things. But if they're fighting for equal pay, it's important to realize that the whole time they were being paid more than the men's team. The judge ruled that in the case, they reached a settlement to rewrite their CBAs. And then they're still getting paid more with more benefit money. So that's just all the facts of the situation. And hopefully you can sit here and hear the facts and 
Now digest it for yourself. Choose to believe either the facts or just everything being put out in the media. But ultimately, they have now agreed to this new CBA. And now that you know the facts, was the women's fight for equal pay and the women's lawsuit for equal pay and the woman claiming that they were not paid equally, was it a win for women for them to fight for that? Or was it the biggest scandal and lie that we have seen in women's sports?